it was last year in the spring in Atlanta that Robert F. Smith was invited to deliver the commencement address at Morehouse College. There were 397 men and women who were graduating that day and uh, Robert F. Smith during his commencement address announced to those graduating seniors that day that those of you that have student loans they are all going to be forgiven every single penny he said because I don't want you entering life having to worry about your priorities maybe having to take a job that you really don't want to take but just because it might pay better because you've got this burden of this debt and then he acknowledged that hey some of you this doesn't apply to you some of you are graduating without any debt some of you may only have six or seven thousand in debt some of you may have sixty or seventy thousand in debt or more and he said but I just want you to know no matter what state you find yourself in this morning that that debt is going to be completely forgiven now you can imagine that if you're one of those students who just could not afford to attend that private school that you've taken on maybe tens of thousands of dollars of debt for that education and you knew that you were going to have to within a matter of months have to start paying that back you can imagine what it might have felt like to have that burden just completely lifted off your shoulders in that morning that in that moment somebody shares with you that you know their heart of generosity and I don't know what it's like to have student loan debt myself went to a state school and my parents were able to pay that tuition thankfully and it was a whole lot less back in the 1980s than it is now certainly but Imagine, we, well, many of us know what it's like to have some form of debt. Whether it's a mortgage, a car payment. Maybe you, uh, you, know, you went into debt to start a business or something like that. But whatever that debt might have been, imagine somebody just coming along and saying, you know what, I care about you and... I am going to just unburden you from this debt. And in that moment, that something that was a concern, maybe even a big concern or a distraction, something that weighed on you, is all of a sudden just lifted completely off. We see that happen in today's message and we're going to get to Luke in just a moment, Luke 7. But we conclude our series, Fresh Air, about how the gospel renews and revives us. We have looked at, been looking in, in the last couple of weeks about what does the gospel do for us. We even looked at 1 Corinthians 15 and looking at Paul's definition of the gospel. What 
really is the good news, and he explains it in those simple terms, that the good news, the gospel, is simply that Jesus Christ came, and he loved and he served, and then he laid down his life for all of humanity. And in that moment, the burden of sin, as Adam put it this morning, if we choose to follow Jesus, that burden of sin is lifted from all of us. And so we looked at how the gospel gives us love. We looked at how the gospel gives us peace. And today we're looking at how the gospel gives us spiritual healing. And so we turn to Luke chapter 7, beginning with verse 36. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him, at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Now, of course, if you're like me, you're thinking to yourself, Well, anybody, man, woman, it doesn't matter who is touching him at that moment is a sinner, right, church? Yeah, yeah. The Pharisee singled her out as a sinner. And that was something the Pharisees certainly had a problem with, is that they would identify other people as sinners, and they fell short in identifying themselves as being part of sinful humanity. Excuse me. And so, uh, the uh, translation of the Bible known as the message, it said that she rained down tears on Jesus' feet. Now, I don't know when the last time you might have cried in such a way that the tears were actually, literally, rolling down your face or rolling, you know, falling from your face. But in this moment, this woman has heard that Jesus is a guest in this home. And so she takes it upon herself to show up. She's not invited but she takes it upon herself to walk into that house. And it was, I'm sure, kind of an awkward moment for the people sitting there. Because she is realizing who she is in the presence of, that she is there with Jesus, that she is there with God in the flesh. And her past 
past is undoubtedly weighing on her. That she is reduced to tears and not just tears that kind of well up in your eyes, but the tears that are just uncontrollable. Falling from her face in such a way that his feet are now wet. We talk about somebody being saddled with a burden. This woman that we read about in Luke's Gospel is no doubt saddled with the burden of her past. And some of us know what that's like. In her book, Pursuit of Love, Rebecca Bender, who is now an author and a motivational and inspirational speaker. But in her book, she shares how she was lured by a boyfriend from the safety of friends and family into a life filled with flashy clothes and expensive trips and every perceived comfort that the world has to offer. Or so she thought. Because then she was trafficked by men for the next six years. And Bender recognized that her only hope of salvation came through Christ. But she also discovered that she wouldn't be rid of the habits and beliefs that she had formed in order to survive easily while being trafficked by these men. After deciding to leave that life for good, she reached a moment of despair. And in her book, In Pursuit of Love, she writes, And then God whispered something that would change everything. If you give me the same amount of time you gave the enemy, I will never be outdone. At church, that line is one of the most powerful things I've read in recent memory. Think about that for a moment. If you will give me, God says, the amount of time that you've given the enemy in your life... I will show you what I can do. I will not be outdone. And she said, God challenged me, and I certainly know that he was right. And so now she works alongside law enforcement and advocates advocates to educate communities to assist in trial cases and to help survivors of sex trafficking break the chains of their past so they can step into a new restored life. Church, when we talk about what does the, the gospel do for us, The gospel, if we let it, will restore us. And Bender's story reminds us of that. And then we go back and look, because as we left the scene at the house, the woman is weeping over Jesus' feet, raining down those tears. And then the Pharisee says, oh man, if he's really a prophet, he would know who it is that's touching him. But that's a sinful person. And so then 
Jesus answered in verse 40, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now we talk about a burden lifted church. Wasn't that woman's burden lifted that day? Jesus in responding to Simon he's not really saying here hey you don't have as much sin in your life so it's okay that you don't love me as much as she does no what he's really saying is Simon you got a problem because you don't know how to acknowledge the sin in your life And that's why you don't love me as much as you should. That's why you are not as grateful as she is. Because the reality, church, is that every one of us, based on the sin in our lives, some of that sin might be a little more checkered than others. Some of it in the eyes of humanity might be worse sin which I put that in those goofy finger air quotes there because we know that our Heavenly Father doesn't have some hierarchy of sin oh well that's a grade one level sin well that yeah you better be crying some tears over that one but now you know all your sin is grade four and five so yeah I don't expect any tears from you no you're one of the good ones Mm. it's a dangerous place to be right church people that's a dangerous place to be And so I hope that we all, at least to an extent, see ourselves in the face of that woman. 
see ourselves thinking about where we have fallen short. Where we know we should have done, could have done some good for someone and we didn't come through and serve them and love them in the name of Jesus. Or those times that we were steeped in sin but we did something that humans are altogether pretty good at. And we found a way to justify that sin. We found a way to say, oh, you know what? I, you know, sometimes I fall short, but boy, I don't fall way short. Or we look at other people. We gain our perspective by looking at others and saying, well, I don't have their problem. And so I'm still doing good. And of course we know that the standard is the risen Savior. Right church? That's the standard. We know we will fall short. And we praise God for His grace. But Jesus wasn't really treated even though he was invited to the home of this Pharisee, he wasn't treated like an honored guest. And so he calls Simon out for his attitude. He calls Simon out and says, you know what? I'm not an honored guest in your house. I had to sit here reclining at the table with the dusty feet that comes from walking these dirt roads. You didn't so much as offer any water for my feet so that I could recline at the table without these dirty, nasty feet being here present at the table. He's saying, this woman, she took care of me. You offered no water for my head. You didn't offer, you know, even to greet me with a holy kiss as was the custom of their day. And so he says, now, this woman has treated me with honor. Her tears, her perfume, her kisses. She's the one, he's saying, who knows how to treat God in the flesh. She has treated me as the honored guest that you failed to treat me as. And so then that begs the question, church family, how do we treat Jesus? Do we, tr- do we invite Him into our life so far as to put Him over in the corner and not really acknowledge Him in the way that He should be acknowledged and honored? Or do we bring Him into our life and honor Him by making Him front and center in such a way that others can see Him living through us. This house that we've been blessed with, this temple that God has blessed us with, our physical vessel, our bodies, how do we invite Jesus in to this vessel, this temple? Do we stick him in the corner and barely acknowledge him? Or do we give him the place of honor in our lives that he deserves?
the good news is that the gospel reminds us that God forgives. This past Thursday night, I was able to stand here at VBS and share from Luke 15. And Hayden's heard me teach it enough, and he knows it's one of my favorites. And so, the second year in a row that he's directed our VBS, second year in a row, I said, what do you need from me? He said, I need you to talk on Thursday night and grill on Friday. And he smiled real big this time and said, I need you to talk about the prodigal son. I will never, never, even when I'm drawing my last breath, get tired of talking about the prodigal. Because in my way, I am the prodigal. Because I see myself a person who has been entrusted and a person who at different times in my life has squandered, come to his senses and made that journey back. And there I am. I've rehearsed my speech of forgiveness. And there the Heavenly Father is. So glad to see me coming once again that he gets off the porch and runs to me and says, let's celebrate. For what was lost now is found. And what I love about all those parables of lost and found in Luke 15, and many of you have heard me teach them before, more than once, that every one of them are about being lost near or being lost far. That we can be the person who is nowhere near God and is lost. Or we can be the person who occupies one of the seats among the pews in God's house and is still lost and needs to be found once again. And the good news, church family, is that that's exactly what the gospel does for us. The gospel provides restoration. The gospel provides spiritual healing. I invite you to stand with me. Let's say this together. Romans chapter 8 verses 1 and 2. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to Him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Church, isn't that good news? Oh, praise God for His forgiveness. Praise Him for His grace. Praise Him for His unbounded love. And praise Jesus that He would allow Himself, that He would give up His life on the cross just so that we, as Adam mentioned earlier, so that we with Jesus can conquer death. You might be with us this morning and maybe you've been here among the pews, but you feel like your life needs to be restored.
maybe you've been away from God for a while. And like the prodigal returning home, you feel like you need to walk the aisle this morning and just say, I'm ready for a do-over. The good news is the God we serve gives do-overs. And so if you're here this morning and you have never acknowledged Jesus as the Son of God, we give you that opportunity today. If you're ready to begin life in Him, when we sing the invitation song in just a moment, you're allowed to come forward. We're invited to come forward and say, once and for all, I am ready to become a child of God and we will make the waters of baptism and new life available to you. And maybe you're here and you've just got something that's weighing on you and you just need people that are in your corner and praying for you. We offer the invitation for that reason as well. Let's sing this song. We paid a debt.